murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got another circus. Hey, Cantiners. This is Luke coming at you from the swamp. Welcome to episode 83 of Culper's Canteen Cup. I'm sorry I missed the last episode I, I listened to. It was, it was pretty good, I guess. It was it was about about 66% as good as it usually is. So I don't know. Hopefully we can <laughs> we can make up for that. So I've been I've been in DC for about three weeks. We would talk about that a little bit, some of the changes that we've seen over the years in, in this lovely, lovely city. Today I went out shopping for some for some swag. I got some gifts for some friends who requested some bobbleheads and whatnot. But one of the things I picked up, I thought was really good. You know, every good podcast needs a uh, uh, needs props, right? So I picked up from the America store a Donald Trump damn it doll. If you don't know what a damn it doll is, it's uh, something you buy. It's a little little doll. When you get mad, you swing it around. You damn it, damn it, damn it. So from now on, whenever we're talking about whatever Donald Trump's fault, you know, whatever's you know, we can blame on Donald Trump, the economy, inflation, COVID, uh, Ukraine, all that stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna swing my damn it doll, and uh, you guys be able to to maybe hear it or whatnot. So you see the damn it doll on YouTube. Uh, Roger's got his uh, his nice Let's Go Brandon shirt on YouTube, and Josh has got his Bucky shirt on. Man, we're kicking it, kicking it old school, kicking it live. Thanks for thanks for Carlton Zeus for that intro music, um, guys. I think uh, we might do a little quiz show today, uh, and we're gonna call the quiz show "Are You a Good American?" Inaugural C three Are You Good Amer Are You a Good American show? I think it'll be a lot of fun. But first. Maybe before we get into that, Josh, what's been going on since the last episode? A lot um, on uh, on my end. So the kids, uh, the big big news, you know, big well, the, the big news that I'll share on uh, share on the podcast for everybody is uh, we uh, took the kids to Disney for spring break. This was uh, so that trip. Oh, I know, I know. Um, break out the the torches and pitchforks. Uh, and you know what? Real quick to interrupt you, my neighbors, who's he's an avid listener, they're on their way to Disney now with their two kids. Good <laughs> Lord. Steve, Steve, I'm just letting you know the cast here at C3 is very disappointed. Well, I mean, they probably planned it like us, you know, prior to uh, Disney going full woke, and uh, you know, we got down there. Um, so long, you know, long and short of it, we went. We spent a week at Disney, four days at Disney. Um, do we averaged about 14, 15 miles a day, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the parks, dude, it was hot, man. I was, you know, that was one thing. It was like, gosh, ah, you know, it's not going to be terrible March, you know, into March and, you know, central Florida generally is not that bad. You know, you generally highs in the, in the low seventies, you know, lows are kind of somewhere in the fifties. Um, now that week there was a, uh, warm front came through and, Dude, it was like in the upper 80s. And uh, you know, dude, it was it was hot. And of course, you know, so dad's got the backpack, you know, with, with everybody's stuff in it and and everything. So um, but it was good. The, you know, at the end of the day, man, the kids have fun. We, you know, the wife and I, we have fun seeing them have fun. You know, they're teenagers now. The last time we went was like nine years ago, nine, ten years ago. So, you know, that's probably the last like, you know, family, family trip we'll do to Disney. Um, not only because of how old they are, but, you know, I have no desire to go back to Disney um, while they're. So what was the culture like down there? I mean, with everything in the news, like what was the general like atmosphere down there? Dude, I only saw two people and this was in, uh, this was in Epcot. I mean, did Snow White have a beard or what? 
No, Snow White didn't have a beard. I tell you, dude, so all of that, like, I didn't see anything at Disney that was, you know, like, super over-the-top promoting, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the, the sexual grooming or the, you know, the left, you know, the, I do, you know, the whole leftist, wokest uh, movement. You know, there was two people, non-Disney employees, that had uh, shirts on that on the front of them said, quote, say gay. Right. And that was in, you know, opposition to, you know, the, the, the bill that was labeled don't say gay, um, that DeSantis signed. Uh, and it was funny because there was multiple people walking past them. And these were people, you know, these were dude, different ethnicities. You know, I don't know where they were from. Um, but, you know, there was there was a couple of like they were Hispanic and possibly, you know, and, and Asian walking by. And they were like, you guys didn't read the bill, huh? And, you know, these two, these two very exactly. large women. Yeah, exactly. And so these two very, and I said it as I walked by, I was like, huh, somebody didn't read the bill. And of course, you know, the wife's like, oh God, here we go. And, uh, but of course these two women, they looked at, you know, like you would expect them to, they were, you know, morbidly obese, um, looked like their face looked like they had a fight with a nail gun They had, you know, multiple piercings, some bad tattoos, multicolored hair, it's just, you know, they, they, they look like the carnival freaks that, you know, they, they set out to look like it was like, okay, you, you know, achievement unlocked. Um, as far as like the Disney employees and stuff, dude, like that was none of that, like nothing. There was absolutely nothing from the Disney employees. Um, and even in the shops, you know, in the little stores and the different parks, there was nothing in there. There was a couple of pins, here and there that were rainbow colored. But other than that, dude, there was nothing over, like egregious over the top at all. But you, if Disney wouldn't have been in the news, you wouldn't have known, you know, you, you would just, it would have just been another day at, uh, at Disney. Um, you know, saw, saw quite a few, you know, let's go Brandon, um, t-shirts. And, uh, there's one guy, you know, stopped talking to him for a minute, told him I love to sit, I clean up on aisle 46. And uh, <laughs> he, had his, he had his Let's Go Branded shirt on with it. So, you know, it was like, hey, man, I like your, love funny. your hat. Love your shirt. Yeah. I got to get that shirt. I got to get that yeah. shirt. And, uh, and stuff. So as far as as far as that goes, no, nah, man. And here's the thing with, with Disney employees. I was reading on uh, – I was looking on Twitter. And uh, Jack Posobiec – did I get it right, Luke? Posobiec. There we go. Um you know, he did a thing. He had a couple of Disney employees anonymously push him some some stuff. There is a number of Disney employees that are not happy with Disney's current stance. Um, they're pushing back from within the company. And a lot of it, you look at Osceola County and down around, especially on, you know, you look at Kissimmee, which is kind of southwest side of Orlando, just on the western the Western edge of Orlando, you start talking Osceola County and the other County right there, the majority of the, where the majority of the employees live. Um, dude, those are very red. That's a very rural red area. Uh, and so, you know, Disney starts, starts going all, all crazy. Um, you know, it's, they're already complaining about pay and working conditions and working hours and stuff. You know, they may have a problem on their hands. I did see uh, this morning, Disney's stock has uh, gone down a little bit enough to cost them about 26, 26 million, uh, 30 million bucks, which I mean, at the end of the day, they'll make that up in two days, you know, at their, at their parks. Um, one of the things I did see, you know, that, I, that, that was really good 
is dude there were a lot of dads and moms there, there was moms out too dude just crushing it by absolutely crushing it and i'm talking about you know not not dads our age but i'm talking about dads probably late 20s early 30s dads pushing you know pushing strollers carrying bags carrying you know taking care of kids disciplining kids you know when they you know appropriately when you know the kids needed it um and from the kids man i heard a lot of you know yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am um you know you, you always have your kids that are crying and, you know, throwing tantrums, but saw a lot of parents, a lot of younger parents, man, they, they were right with them, making sure, you know, that little Johnny and, uh, and little Jill, man, that, you know, that they, that they stayed in line. And, uh, was, so, you know, I watched that for a little while and, uh, it, it, that was refreshing to see, especially from that, you know, the younger crowd, the younger parents, um, you know, kind of, kind of gives you a, a glimmer of hope for the, uh, for the future. And, you know, going back to when our oldest daughter, um, years ago when she was in eighth grade, they did their eighth grade field trip to DC. And this was, you know, the year before COVID and, uh, dude, there was a, you know, and we're talking about eighth graders. There was a number of eighth graders in her class who, you know, scooped up MAGA hats, um, you know, while we are in DC from the, you know, little street vendors and, and stuff and stores, and, uh, so I don't know, man, that, that was good to, you know, that couple with what I saw at Disney with, you know, good. There's some, uh, you know, there's some good kids out there. There's some kids who got their heads head on straight so far. They, we just got to keep them out of public schools and out of colleges. Um, so they don't get indoctrinated, but, uh, so yeah, man. Um, so that, that's really the, you know, the, the big thing for us. There's some other news I kind of share with you guys that not, uh, not ready for prime time yet. Um, but no, other than that. So your neighbors, man, your neighbors, dude, they're going at a, they're going at a decent time. It's Disney's 50th year celebration. So everything, you know, Disney's already over the top, um, you know, with a yeah. bunch of their celebrations and stuff. They, this time is they're even more over the top with everything. Cause it's their, it's their 50th. So Steve, man, you, you guys should, uh, you guys should have a good time. Um, just, uh, dude, stay, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. <laughs> Cause it's hot, bro. Drink, it's hot. Drink plenty of water and take some, take some knees. And I think that's the, you know, one, it makes me wonder when they talk about, you know, Florida's parental rights and education bill, not they don't say gay bill. Cause they don't mention the word one time in the bill. And, and we put out a couple blogs and stuff on it, but that's the big issue with a lot of this stuff. And it's not just, I mean, we'll isolate this and, and, and talk about this one, but that's the broader issue with, uh, it goes on to the voter rights bill, you know, be, build back better, just all these other bills. Like nobody reads them and, you know, they follow and it's dangerous, right? I mean, when you talk about misinformation, when you talk about disinformation, you don't have to try very hard. I mean, you get somebody with a, a, a blue check mark on Twitter, uh, get on there and post whatever the, the tagline is going to be. And immediately you've got 81 million, you know, Americans and, and you know, probably non-Americans uh, following, reposting and, and you know, cr- criticizing the bill. And it's like, hey, look, I have no issues with criticizing the bill. I mean, you, you want to get into the, to the you know, the minutia of, of what it says and what it doesn't say and you agree and don't and, and disagree or what have you. That's fine. We can have that debate all day. But don't sit there and come up with these taglines, rehash them. And you haven't even read it and you can't even discuss it because I tell you the, the long story short, and, and we've, like I said, we've done a blog on it. So you can head over to, you know, Culper's canteen cup.com and check it out. But it's the, 
the bottom line is, hey, if your kids are K through three, that, you know, sex education as we used to know it back in the day, that stuff won't be taught. It won't be discussed in, in the school at that age. And so, I, you know, and I tell you, it, there's been a little pushback and you see it because immediately it's, it's like in my mind, and, and I think on Josh's page, he posted something on his Facebook page, and, and this is what it comes down to for me. There is nothing you can say, do, show me. I don't care what the studies say. You know, you just you know, call me a nug or whatever. There's nothing out there that will convince me for you to have a sexual conversation with my K through three kid. I don't care what it is. You know, and, and anybody who wants to do that, there, there are obviously some other issues there. And that's what the bill says. And it says after that, hey, because I think, you know, I think I was maybe fourth or fifth grade when we had the sex education, you know, class or whatever. And, you know, of course you get in there and they say penis and everybody giggles and, you know, you tell jokes or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, I get it. You know, there, there is a there is a probably a need for it uh, in the public education system. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess you can debate that one way or another. To me, even at that age. You know, I want to be the one as the parent to have that discussion with my child, uh, not the school system, not some public administrator, uh, not some teacher, you know, who's 24 years old right out of college or what have you. I mean, that's on the parent. But, but again, I think that's, you know, on us also being, you know, good parents. And, and we know that there are a lot out there that, that struggle, but there's just nothing in my mind that's going to convince me that, that you should have that conversation. And I, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same way. I, mean, I go back to when I was K through three. So that's what, five through eight years old five through nine, give or take, give or take. But it's uh, like, dude, I didn't even know what any of that stuff was. I was like playing basketball and, and eating dirt and fucking, you know, chasing dragonflies, whatever the hell I was doing. And probably, you know, trying to shoot squirrels with my BB gun. And like, I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And a lot of times I think what happens is because at that age, there's also a natural curiosity. And so, oh, the kids, they want to know about it. Well, they learn about it because you bring it up. You bringing the, you bring the topic up. Did I already drop an F-bomb? Did I really? I have to go back, man. It, it flows so smoothly. Like I don't even catch it anymore. Just like, whoop. it just fires me up because it's like, that's the type of stuff. So I love Twitter because of the independent, or I shouldn't say independent. They're journalists, right? You have a lot of journalists that, that they, they work for the, the big companies out there, your CNNs and Fox news is. And what I find is that following them individually, a lot of them have some good stories. Most of them don't ever make the airwaves. They don't ever make TV uh, because they get their 30 second snip or whatever. Uh, so I like following them for up-to-date news and, and getting their take uh, because it does tend to be fairly objective for the most part. But then you have this stuff with, uh, you know, the, the Florida bill, and then the left just becomes unhinged. And and all you see, and I think Joe Rogan, I think I saw a quote from him today. It's like the left, I mean, it's like diarrhea up on the screen, man. That's all you see. And and there's no conversation there because when you're like, so so what part of this bill do you not like? What part of this bill do you not agree with? And nobody can have that debate with you because they haven't read it, you know, and, and that goes, it ties in part to Justice Brown, who, you know, was just, um, or uh, not Brown, but uh, Kentaji Jackson, who was just confirmed to the, to the U.S. Supreme Court. You know, that was part of the issue with her in my eyes. And, and I'll tell you this, I didn't know anything about her prior to, you know, like it, nobody sits out there and tracks all these justices, right? All you do is like, hey, when an individual is brought up, you vet them, you look at your ruling, and then you make your decisions at that point. Now, you can make the argument that maybe she shouldn't have been on the, the D.C. Circuit Court. Maybe. Uh, maybe you can make the argument for some of the other positions that she was appointed to, but that's not what we're looking at now. We're looking at the U.S. Supreme Court, and that was the problem with 
uh, you know, or the problem that we had with some of her rulings was especially with the, uh, the child porn cases, right? With the leniency of that stuff. And what you're starting to see from the left is the normalizing of child porn, child sex crimes, you know, oh yeah, it's okay for, for a grown man or a grown woman. Hey, you know what? I don't need a 35 year old dude talking to my five year old daughter about her sexuality. Really don't. And, and I think, and you know, I'll kick it over to Luke for his thoughts on it, but you still have a hardcore following, probably the 30% that, that approve of Joe Biden and the job that he's doing. Uh, but you still have a hardcore, you know, far left element that is pushing that, that don't say gay agenda or whatever. But, you know, I think they kind of back themselves in, in the corner with it. And, you know, not really, not really having the foresight to say, okay, what does this really say? Well, it really means that a 35-year-old grown man can talk to a five-year-old girl uh, about sex and her, her preference, her orientation and, and, and what have you. Um, when you look at KBJ's rulings, and again, you can look at those individually. And, and I think Josh and I talked about it at, at you know, at length. Uh, but what you've done is lighten the sentences. It's no different than like the marijuana, you know, uh, decriminalization of marijuana. That's the road that takes you down. You know, at first it was, you know, you had the eighties and, uh, you know, Nancy Reagan and, you know, the war on drugs and this and that. And then it's like, well, you know what? Marijuana is not so bad. And, and so the sentences become reduced and yeah, we know it's a schedule one, but you know, we're, uh, we're going to treat it differently and, and, and how we prosecute it. Then we do light sentences and then now it's decriminalized in, in the majority of the States. And, and, you know, I don't know it goes that far with this type of, of thing because it is a little different as far as the category of crime. Uh, but in my mind, it's like, that's how you get to that point, right? You talk about that slippery slope. And at first it's like, well, okay, well, we won't do the 35 year, you know, recommended, sen- you know, sentence. We'll just do the, uh, the three month one. Okay. So you're telling me that, you know, as long as I do it on the internet, uh, you know, you, you get the lesser sentence versus receiving it by mail or whatever. And I, and I think that's how you get down that road. So I don't know, I'll kick it over to Luke for, uh, for his thoughts on it. Those are some good points, Roger. You know, um, the don't say gay bill, first of all, I, I, I find it, uh, fascinating that, uh, it's devolved into something, uh, a slogan that doesn't, it doesn't read, obviously y'all both said, doesn't read, don't say gay anywhere in the bill. Now we're getting into like a d- diverging realities here, you know, marketing and advertising. So this don't say gay thing, that was, a. A political push, you know, whoever, whatever political action committee is uh, associated with the media and stuff, say, they were like, okay, we need to demonize this bill as fast as possible. And let's come up with a narrative that, you know, everyone would disagree with. Everyone would, uh, you know, like the Black Lives Matter thing. Okay. What? You don't think Black Lives Matter? Uh, you know, we talked about that way early in the episodes. It's like, who would disagree with that? So who would disagree with, uh, you know, the, the proposition that you're not allowed to say gay at all in the public school system. It's like, well, I mean, you know, I think that's a freedom of speech issue. Well, why, why, yeah, why, why can't you say gay? That's not the point, you know? So I, I thought about this a lot. It's, you know, marketing and advertising does not equal truth. Like think about a product, for instance, like a product that's for sale, you know, see, you see commercials about it, you see billboards, um, you'll see it pushed, you know, on, on, you know, uh, on the news and things like that, you know, they pay a lot of money to advertise and market certain products, but that's regulated. You can't currently say that Coca-Cola cures cancer. You can't, you can't, you know, get, get on, get on your commercial and say, you know, smoking is actually good for you. Uh, you know, there, there were rulings on that a long time ago. Soothes your T zone. This brand of Coca-Cola not only tastes better, 
it cures AIDS. You can't do that. That's that's a lie. That's false advertising. There are regulations against that. There are no regulations on, you know, a political action committee going to the media and pushing a narrative saying don't say gay is what this bill is all about, even though that's false advertising. That's just what it is. And people will just glom onto that because it's too hard to open up a, you know, to, to search the internet, to put in the gurgle machine, uh, the, you know, the Florida bill, you know, whatever number it was, and actually read the text itself. They'll just digest whatever's told to them on the news, you know. I, and I think we all know that, and we're all preaching to the choir with most of our audience. It's just, it truly is fascinating to see um, the, these things happen. And the don't say gay thing is, uh, is only one. I mean, we could probably go around the horn and list five or six different things that have happened over, you know, the course of the last, since we're just, we, we've been doing this podcast of, you know, something, there'll be a, uh, a little tagline, a little narrative, and it just absolutely does not match reality. The thing with teaching, you know, zero to nine year olds, uh, anything about gender or, or sexuality, you know, I think it's important to, uh, delineate what we mean by sexuality. I think when we're talking, when we're talking about sexuality, we're not talking about male or female per se. You're a boy, you're a girl. We're talking about procreation and or, you know, the act itself for pleasure, you know, procreation and pleasure. We're talking about sexuality, you know, and that's the problem with this whole gender, uh, transgender movement and everything is just totally associated with sexuality. That's, there was an issue not too long ago with some friends and a, a group of people uh, friends and coworkers, where the kids hung out together and everything. Uh, there was a an eleven year old female eleven year old who came out and told everyone in the community that she was bisexual. She was bisexual, talking about sexuality, physically attracted to males and females. I believe this girl was eleven, maybe. Now that caused a big thing within the community because there were sleepovers happening. All girl sleepovers, all boy sleepovers, things like that. It was not co-ed. So one of the one of the mothers came to me and was like, you know, how do I how do I address this because I'm not comfortable with this girl coming over to an all girl. So I'm not comfortable sending my daughter over with this girl. And I was like, well, explain that to me. Why why aren't you comfortable with that? And she said, and this is when I, she said something really profound to me. She was like, well, she says she's bisexual. You know, I'm not against. Um, you know, any, any, you know, gay, bisexual, LBGTQ plus, I'm not against it, but the problem is bisexuality obviously states this girl is talking about something sexual in nature, which means procreation and or pleasure. So she is attracted to other females sexually. I am not comfortable with my daughter spending the night with anyone who is attracted to her sexually at that age or any age until she's out on her own. I cannot bless off on that. I think that was a pretty profound statement. I was like, holy cow, yeah, that's right. That should have occurred to me a long time ago. We're talking about sexuality being attracted to you know, someone of the opposite sex, which every study I've looked at, uh, and thanks Ben Shapiro for this, I've been listening to more Ben Shapiro lately, uh, directed me to a number of studies that have been done on, on sexuality as in procreation and or pleasure, that doesn't even begin to manifest in pretty much all cases until the onset of puberty. So, yeah, I, I have no problem with the Florida bill. No problem whatsoever. You know, I remember I, I started third grade back in Texas way back in the day, and it was a big deal that our teacher, Mrs. Levada Reed, 
opened each class, she basically said, I, you know what? We're not allowed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to begin the class with a prayer, and anybody who doesn't want to do it can, can step outside. She was real nice about it. But that was a, <gasps> you know, even in third grade, we knew. I was, I was all for it, you know, because I was like, finally, all right, you know. But that was a big deal, and that caused a lot of consternation, like back in the 80s, like the early 80s. So, and now we have, you know, just four short decades later, <laughs> We've come to a totally different, bizarre world place, and it, it really is uh, disheartening for me that we're, we're even talking about these things. And I could go on and on. I had a long discussion about this last night with a, with a colleague of mine. He had some good points. But, you know, Josh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it to you, and then you can either kick it back to me or to Roger. But if you guys want to get started on, uh, on Are You a Good American, we, we can do that right now if you want. I can, I can intro the game, or if you guys want to go around the horn and talk about more uh, current events. Let's, it's up to you. It's your world, man. It's Burger King for you today, buddy. I love it. Yeah, I got one more. <clears throat> kind of one more spill on the uh, on the the whole don't gay don't say gay thing and what's going on in the schools. You know, a lot of folks. It, it's the whole thing. It's like Roger said. You know, I don't want anybody talking to my kids about sex unless it is you know a curriculum set in. You know, sex education, as in here is your anatomy, and this is how it works, right? That that's fine. That's curriculum. And nowadays, like our kids have already had that class. We had to sign permission slips for them to even take that class, right? I've got no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is, you know, first when they came out and they're like, "Don't say gay," you know, it was people. You know, first it was, well. That's not even part of the approved curriculum anyway. You know, you guys are worried about, you know, them talking about sexuality and, you know, transgender and why does, you know, why does little Timmy have two dads or two moms or whatever the case may be, right? It, that's not even, that's not even a problem. It's not even happening. So this bill's, you know, for, for nothing. And, uh, yep, that's a shirt. The, um, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, then if it's not happening, then, you shouldn't be upset that, you know, they're just codifying it into law, you know, to make sure it doesn't happen. Right. Because that's I mean, why do we have laws? And, you know, then, you know, and I've been posting a lot on my, on my personal Facebook page because this is like, I, I think this is the final step, you know, as, as a society um, before the, you know, the, the collapse is when we normalize, you know, pedophilia I, I think that's the that's the final i think that's the final moral collapse i think that's when i, I think that's when jesus is finally gonna be like okay you guys you know you guys made it you know this long it's time for me to go ahead and come on back and, and the rapture to begin jesus is gonna say dad bring out the horseman yep yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. open the barn and, and and let the horseman out because it's 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 time i i can't think of a, a more deplorable thing so i've been you know i've been posting a lot on you know my personal facebook page on it and there are now you know first it was you know i had a couple people comment like well that's just right-wing talking points you know this re- re- it's not really happening and now you know there are multiple instances and in multiple states you know coming out showing preschool teachers kindergarten first second third grade all the way up through high school of teachers that once that classroom door closes they are teaching what they want to and they are saying what they want to 
you know, you had a preschool teacher walking around handing out rainbow bracelets. And then, the, you know, another teacher, and I believe this was in Kansas, who has a closet in his classroom that kids, you know, can come in. And then he has, you know, a selection of clothes in there that are inappropriate that, you know, parents wouldn't, any good parent wouldn't let their kid out of the house wearing. They can show up to school, go in the closet and change into, you know, their club clothes. And then before they go home, they get to change back into whatever they, you know, they showed up in school that day. That way mom and dad are none the wiser. And you're thinking to yourself, like, how does this happen? How did we get here? to this point, like you said, in a short, in 40 years for a cultural change, for something to shift that hard, 40 years is a very short amount of time. When you look at other cultural changes that have occurred, cultural changes, you know, we're talking about, you know, even, even defining words that generally happens over hundreds of years. This happened in a very short 40 years. And so it, we could talk about all the variables of, of why, but I believe a large part of it is one, you know, we didn't allow prayer in schools. We took God out of schools. And that's, you know, whatever God you want to believe in. It doesn't have to be Christianity. Um, and, you know, and then the other part of that is Republicans. I think Republicans have spent, and we talked about it before, Republicans have spent the last, especially the last 20 years, thinking that they're in some gentleman's duel and they're in a back alley knife fight. And they haven't realized that yet. They're still trying to, oh, we're going to take the moral high ground on this. Well, you know what? All of those all of those kids, you know, 20 years ago that you were just like, ah, it's just a phase. They'll get over it. They'll, go, they'll, they'll get through it. Well, all of those kids are teaching now, and they're teaching your kids. And when you send your kids to, you know, to school for eight hours a day, that's what little, you know, little Johnny's learning. And... It's just, it's not good. It's, I'm telling you, man, this is, this is absolutely the moral decay that, uh, that, that's going to hasten the collapse. But the good thing is that, um, I don't know if you guys saw, you know, some of the Wisconsin local elections school board. In fact, the Kenosha, uh, Kenosha school board, uh, they flipped three very, very blue seats, um, on the, on the school board and they, it went straight red and, you know, starting to see some of that in other places around the country as well. I mean, even in California, they did a recall. I forget what uh, what where it was in California. They did they recalled two of their school board members. I think it was San Francisco. It was, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. which is, I mean, dude, is absolutely crazy. I think, I think the left, the far left, I think they have, I think they have completely messed up by screwing with the kids at this because that's one thing. A lot of us we can we can disagree you know, on things politically, we can disagree on things ideologically, but generally speaking, most people are very protective of their kids. And, you know, hopefully that's the, uh, you know, hopefully this is, this is the spark that, that needs the Republicans to get off their ass and actually, actually go on the offense. And if they're not campaigning on this, you know, for the midterms in 2024, they're absolutely crazy. That and CRT, CRT in schools. Oh, it's not being taught. Well, then you won't be up. Why are you upset with us banning it for being taught in schools? Well, you know, that, you know, we you know go down the road, the inflation and, and everything else. Um, and, you know, for those of you out there, and there's a couple of people on my timeline that, you know, that jumped in and it was like, well, we should be able to talk about, you know, this in schools. And again, like Roger said, there's zero reason to talk about sexuality with kindergartners, 
to third graders? Zero, none whatsoever. That is a question the teacher turns, looks straight at the kid and says, you need to talk to your parents. You need to ask your parents. Because what happens if you have someone, let's say, of a religious faith who does not condone two boys? Right? You're going to tell that kid that your parents are wrong religiously? You're going to question that kid's religious faith? Are we, are we doing that now? Um, it, it, so it, go talk to your parents. Why? Because it's a parent's responsibility. And that's a parent's job. It's not anybody else's job. And you teach my kid reading and writing and arithmetic. I'll take care of the rest. Um, and with this common core bullshit, I have to wind up reteaching that stuff anyway. Well, at least the reading and writing, I can't do math for shit. After fifth grade, man, I can't, I can't help you with your math homework. <laughs> so I'm, I'm but it's such a bullshit point. response, right? And that's the thing, like, and, and I, Jen Saki was a whole nother topic that I had on here because, you know, when, when she's asked and she's pressed, uh, you know, about, you know, Florida's bill or, or anything else, you know, it's like, well, can you name one school that, you know, that is teaching that? So they just, com- they're completely dismissive of it. And it's like, well, okay, you know what? I can pull up a hundred of them, but you know what? They'll never give her the pushback. Yeah. Here, just pull up Twitter at any given point. There are a thousand teachers on here, you know, oh, I, I can't teach my profession if I can't talk to kids, you know, uh, you know, about, you know, and then the one guy's like my kids, one, they're not your kids. Okay. It's my kid. It's my child. Uh, you have a profession, you have a job to do. And, and, and like you said, teach them how to read, write and, you know, and do some arithmetic or, or whatever, but they're just completely dismissive of everything. And it's, uh, it's like you said, you go down that road and I hope, I hope that the GOP and, and we've been talking about this over the last couple of days, like you need to go in the offensive and my, I, I hope, hopefully I'm not giving them too much credit because I'm thinking, well, if you go too hard right now, uh, you know, you, you end up with election fatigue, uh, people become desensitized to it. The information, it just doesn't hit as hard as if you do it end of summer, beginning of fall, right? People right now looking forward to spring, spring break, they're going into summer break, school year's ending. And then, you know, you get to that August, September timeframe right before your, your midterms. Uh, and that's when people kind of go back to work, they get hot and heavy and start to catch up on, on what's going on in the nation. But you hope that the GOP, you know, they need to confront them with it. And, and I'm surprised that you don't see more of it, especially in the social media area, uh, where you have a lot of these famous journalists that come out. It's like, hey, let's get on there. Let's talk about, you know, let, let's talk about this, this quote, unquote, don't say gay bill in Florida. Let's have that discussion. I want you to defend it. Uh, they don't, right? They just say, oh, well, you know, you, you're just, you're anti, you know, trans, you're anti-gay, you're anti-whatever it is. It's like, no, not at all. Uh, it's no different than with any of the other bills that are out there, you know, the voting rights thing. Oh, you just don't want black people to vote. Da, 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 da. Really? So you're saying black people can't vote right now. Show me, show me one area that, that says a minority can't vote or where it's difficult for a minor, because you know what? I see a whole lot of Americans out there of, of every ethnicity and every color, uh, at the home Depot and at the Walmart and at the shopping malls. And I understand that there is a percentage that you have to accommodate to because of disabilities or whatever. And I think we have processes in place to accommodate those individuals. I have yet, and I know I haven't run into all 328 million Americans and, and, and those that can vote, uh, you know, roughly 180 million. Now, I have yet to run into one person in my 46 some odd years of life say, you know what? They didn't allow me to vote. I couldn't vote, you know, unless they were a felon, which, you know, I probably have a couple of those in the family, but you know, other than that, uh, I've yet to run into one. But, you know, nobody presses them hard on the issue. And to me, like for the GOP, it's like you said, hey, man, we're not in a gentleman's fight anymore. Like, and I'm not saying you have to sling mud, but it's time to be direct. So at what point do you think it's okay 
for that 35-year-old man, that 40-year-old man to talk to my five-year-old about sex. Do you agree with that? Have you read the bill? What part of the bill do you not like? I say, right? I say, first off, if you have a kindergarten, if you have a male kindergarten teacher, that's your first indicator right there. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, man, they can, they can teach you with it. You know what? You go to whatever profession you want. But my point is, it's the it is time to start being direct and it's time to start calling people out. So, you know, when you look at, at, at KBJ and her confirmation thing, you know, uh, obviously, Lindsey Graham and a lot of folks, um, you know, voted no and, and had some issues with with some of her past rulings. And those that came out to defend her, that's fine. Defender. So, you know what? As opposed to making it about the person, let's look at each individual ruling. Hey, what part of this ruling do you defend? What part of this sentencing do you defend? What part of the three months for the child porn do you defend? And why do you defend it? You know, you have to be very pointed about that stuff. And But what scares me a lot about this, and I know this is going off into a tangent, and I'll kick to Luke so he can, you know, we can start a quiz show here. But the uh, it's like right now you're starting to see the Hunter Laptop story come back up, right? And mark my words on this thing. I'm telling you this is going to happen. One, I think it's the left that's throwing the Hunter Biden laptop story out there. I mean, this thing's been out there forever. I think it's the left that's that's starting to spin this thing back up. Uh, I don't know where it goes, but, you know, I think it's clear that Biden can't be the, you know, transition president that he said he was going to be because Kamala is a, a freaking train wreck. I mean, dude, when you heard when you heard what he said during the uh, I think they were out in front of the White House with KBJ or whatever, like. There were 45 seconds when he was talking about being at the foot of, you know, Kilimanjaro with Xi Jinping. And like, what are you talking? We'll have to post that clip up there because like that 30 second clip, I have no clue what he's talking about. He's like, there's one thing about Americans. And, you know, when I when I was at the foot of, of Kilimanjaro with Xi Jinping, well, that was my 17,000 miles. I can't verify. I'm like, what did this dude just say? Like, everybody's like, what? What, are you, what the hell are you talking about? You know, but I, I think they, they see that. But, you know, Josh keeps bringing up, you know, rightfully. It's like, well, now you have another problem because what do you do with Kamala? Uh, do you just open her up to the, you know, to the general primaries and just say, hey, it is what it is. And the DNC is just not going to back her or whatever. But anyway, going back to my point, I hope the uh, I hope the right goes on the offensive. Uh, and I hope the right is, you know, you can't sling mud as opposed, you know, you, you can attack character in this and that or what have you. But I'd much rather there are enough. There's enough substance on the issues that I think that they can win on. And so you have to press people on the issues, on the specific issues and not about, you know, what somebody did as a defense attorney or this and that. Hey, let's look at the individual ruling. Let's look at your individual voting record. Let's look at the individual bills. This is, you know, and it's very simple, man. I mean, they got all these charts and everything's like, hey, you can just put five bullets up there. Boom. Which one of these five bullets do you disagree with and why? But they won't do it. Same thing with a hundred Biden laptop. And this was my point with this. This is what scares me is. This is going to come up in the news. The right is going to push for a special counsel. How long do special counsels take? Years. Years. This will blow right through the midterms. And you know why? Because the right is just as guilty. The right is just as guilty of all this stuff. You know, they get on there and they get in front of the cameras and they talk about, oh, you know, you influence, you know, and, and, you know, you got your son a job and this and that and how much money. You know what? The right is just as guilty. 
you can't tell me that the Democrats are the only guilty ones. They're the only ones that, that you know, subscribe to, you know, cronyism. And uh, they're the only ones that, you know, subscribe to nepotism. And they're the only ones that, that got their kids jobs that pay a million dollars a year. That ain't happening, right? It's the right as well. And it's the independence as well. And nobody wants to pull that thread because you pull it too much. Well, then you find out that it, it crosses party lines. So it's easier just to get up there in front of the camera and, you know, and sit there and say, oh, we need to go after this and that and this. They're going to appoint a special counsel. It will take six six months to get that thing off the ground, and it'll run for two years. All you, Luke. I know you're, like, chomping at the bit. I'm not really. So, first of all, obviously, I think uh, the audience realizes that Roger can say Democrats, Roger can say Independents, but Roger will not say Republicans. He says the Didn't right I just say the right? Problem. You said the right. You didn't say Republicans, though. Okay, you Republicans. didn't say Republicans. Okay, there okay. Say there we Republicans. go, Jen Saki. There we go. Good job, Jen Saki. Can you name one school? I just said Republicans. Say, Republicans. Say, Republicans. Say Republicans. Republicans. <laughs> Don't say right. Republicans. Because I, I, I right, really think left. that there, I think, I think there's a difference between a person that's on the right, like the three of us, and a fucking oh, and hey, a Republican. F bomb. Lindsey Graham, Republican. We could go down the list. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm nitpicking at you, man. I know what you. I know what you're saying. Um, I get it. But, dude, I yeah, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I just thought I'd pick on you a little bit. So, uh, we're not going to go into the the quiz just yet. I'm going to give each of you guys two minutes. Okay, two topics, two minutes to address it real quick. Okay, first topic: Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Okay, when I initially saw that, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious, and I even made a post on Facebook. Got a lot of, uh, you know flow back on that because obviously a lot of people out there follow Hollywood and all this stuff a lot more than I do. You know, I met, I met Will Smith and just shook his hand in Budapest a couple few years ago. And he was real gracious to, to me and my wife. And I, I, you know, whatever, I don't know what's going on in his personal life. He just seemed like a nice guy. And, you know, I put myself in a situation where I have millions and millions and millions of dollars, a powerful man in Hollywood, whatever. I don't give a F about anything. And somebody insults my wife in front of the world I'd come up there and slap his face too. But the more I read it, the more I read about it, it's like, man, that poor guy is absolutely miserable with that chore of a woman he's married to. They re- she released a video like two days ago where she just recorded him straight out. And it was one of the most painful things I saw. Will Smith, six foot four, 210 pounds of muscle, is scared to death of that little woman. Because she is messing with his head, it's it's brutal. Josh is sitting there. He's oh, Josh said I'm losing my mind. I am, but not as much as Will Smith. I, I feel sorry for that dude. I know I I I don't know what exactly. No. I, I I don't know what exactly led him. To, I pity him. How about that? I don't know what exactly led him to get up on that stage and slap Chris Rock. But it wasn't defending his wife. That wasn't it. I think I think he's I think it's a pathetic situation he's in. He should walk away. Uh, it's, it's it's really bad. So that's number one. I want Josh one minute on that. Another minute. I'm going to keep you to this too, Josh, because you'll talk for ten minutes on both of these things. Twenty minute segment. So Will Smith, number one, and number two, the two video clips of Joe Biden and Obama the other day. Roger touched on it, but when Joe Biden is chasing Obama around like an old dog trying to get a treat from his master and Joe Biden had his hand on Barack Obama's shoulder saying Barack, Barack and Obama was completely ignoring him. In my opinion, that is one of the most shameful, disgusting things I have 
ever seen with respect to the office of the president. Like or hate Joe Biden, that was a really, really crappy thing that Barack Obama did. And if you think for a second Barack Obama didn't know exactly what he was doing, flexing all over the place and making himself, you know, feel better and, and showing the world in his in his mind who's really in charge, who's really the man, that's what he was doing. And it was disgusting. I, I was I, I was sick. I felt sick about it. And I don't I don't like Joe Biden at all. Let's go Brandon, man. But so Josh, one minute on Will Smith, one minute on Biden and Obama. So the Will Smith thing, I didn't uh, obviously didn't didn't watch the Oscars. Heard about it the next day. People were on uh, you know the Twitter machine talking about it, and it was like, okay, what was said, what happened? You know, went back, heard Chris Rock's joke, and uh, you know then, then then saw Will Smith go up there and smack him. Um, so two things on it. One, I think it was planned. I think it was staged. Because uh, you see Chris Rock, Chris Rock puts his hands behind his back and he leans into it, right? And then as Will Smith turns, he's got this smile on his face. I think it was, I think it was staged, you know. And then Pfizer's putting on the market a uh, a product for alopecia, you know, a week later. Yeah. All right, man. Whatever that and the Oscars, you know, they're fifty percent viewership, you know, than they were before. Um, you know, they, you're right. Yeah. They had, you know, they wanted Zelensky and they got Zelensky. I, I, I think that whole thing was staged. So if you look at it from that perspective, the other perspective, you know, so let's say it wasn't. So whatever, you're going to get up there and defend your wife and I'm not, you know, kink shame or whatever, but you're going to get up there and defend your wife, the same wife that's going to turn around, you know, when you guys get home, she's getting in a separate limo with another dude because you guys have that kind of relationship. So that would be like Jack Murphy, you know, getting upset on Twitter and being like, he disrespected my, he disrespected my wife when I let my wife go over there and bang him. Right. I mean, that just whatever, dude, don't do don't ever give me that. And people were standing up for Will Smith and this and that. And man, he's, he, you know, yeah, he's defending his wife. He's defending his wife. That's what a good man's supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, now he's banned from the Oscars for 10 years and he can't go, which is fine. Jade is going to take one of her other husbands with her next year. So she's, she's, she's still going, you know, she'll have, she'll have a boyfriend for every year and, you know, will be sitting at home waiting, you know, waiting for her to get back like a, like a good, you know, like a good sub is I saw that video of Will Smith, you know, that she put out there on him. Whole dude, you want to talk about, I've seen people who have been broken before. If you remember Theon from game of Thrones, when he gets broken, <laughs> like dude, this man is more broken than Theon in, in, in game of Thrones. I mean, he, that is a broken ass man. And it was, it, it was sad to see, but you know, he's also the, one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. He could get out of that if he wanted to. Um, so whatever the, the videos, dude, the video of Biden and, and Obama at the white house event, holy smokes. So the first one you see, you know, Joe Biden, he turns around, he starts walking away and then there's nobody there and he puts his arms up. He's like, Oh, where'd everybody go? And he turns around and everybody is gathered around Barack. It is absolutely, it, it, that video was so bad. Yeah. And you're right. He knew what he was doing, but all I could think about when I saw that video, I didn't feel sorry for Biden. I just kept thinking that this guy got the more votes than any other presidential candidate in history. 81 million, 81 million votes. That's what that translated to bullshit. That's what I got to say on that. <laughs> so Will Smith, uh, one, I don't really care. Um, uh, like Josh said, I mean, the guy's a millionaire, you know, he, he, 
he's got a million different exits out of that that whole situation, what's going on or whatever. Uh, you know, I do disagree with Luke because I guess you t- never take my, you know take your wife to you know any comedy shows or anything because that's what they do. That, that's what comedians do. You're in that show, and you would also have enough sense that if you were truly offended by it, you know, you'd be like, you know what. I will handle this here in 45 minutes when uh, we're out here at the back of the after party and then we'll have that man-to-man discussion outside. That's what Luke would do. Um, and that's what any of us would do. I, I think any of us would, would do that. You know, you're not going to walk up on stage in national television because, and it wasn't even, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the joke. It wasn't overly funny. And I don't think it was overly offensive. I don't think it was offensive at all. It's like making fun of me with, with no head, you know, it's like whatever, man, or no hair. So, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, we're not talking about that. He went up there and slapped his wife or something like that. That's different. Uh, he's a comedian. He makes edgy jokes. Uh, that's what he does. That's what they do at comedy shows. You go to a place like that, expect some of the ribbing and the poking and and the joking or whatever. <laughs> Josh, like Will Smith has never been to a Dave Chappelle show. Yeah, exactly. You know, that doesn't happen. And he also did it because it was Chris Rock up on that stage because anybody else, you know, I don't, I didn't get into the whole, is it staged or whatever. I mean, I think it looked genuine because I think Chris Rock was shocked. I mean, it's kind of like one of those, you know, you go home like, man, I should have beat his ass. Like, I don't think he thought Will Smith was going to slap the shit out of him. He's like, you know, he's going to come up and rib me or whatever he's going to do. But he came up like, did he just hit me? Like, he probably didn't even feel it because like, did he just like really slap me? You know, but what's crazy is how the left comes out and they defend it again. You know, the people that are anti-violence and, you know, acceptance and inclusion and this and that. It's like, you just had one black man go up on stage and slap another black man and everybody's defending Will Smith. You know, and, and yeah, you were talking about the slap. Like, I thought it was a punch. Like, if it was a punch, like, I, I expected a punch. Like, you're offended. You go up and you hit somebody. Like, he went up there and literally slapped him. Um, and then I tell you, you know, watching the – I've seen some of the clips. I try not to get it too much into it because there's a lot of context around it or whatever. But, you know, I agree with Josh. You know, you see a truly broken man or a broken individual. And it's uh, – and again, it's a snippet, right? So you never see everything else. It's just weird because, you know, people, people react different to stuff like that. You know, I think my, my natural reaction, I think most of ours, you know, us three knowing us, you know, and, and I think mo- a lot of our listeners is, you know, I think I would get pissed off for a long time before I get to that point. Uh, there would be a whole lot of anger coming out and it's, uh, you know, you don't know the, I don't know the history of Will Smith and his background and this and that and, and, and don't really care, but it's, uh, you know, I, I guess they came out and they suspended him for 10 years or whatever. You know what? Nobody cares. Uh, cause I guess, you know, that, that took the news away from the war in Ukraine that's still going on. Right. Uh, like, like Luke, he should be happy to know that they're actually using his, his words. Now, this is going to be a very protracted, uh, you know, war in, in, in Ukraine. That was from general Milley. When you talk about the Biden Obama thing, you know, it's crazy because Rolling Stone came out and they accused Fox News of taking this out of context, the, the video clip, right? And I'm like, well, you know what? I actually watched it on C-SPAN and uh, nope, that was pretty much it. I did want to replay this thing for you real quick. It's a, it's a 17 second clip. So hopefully you can hear this. This is the actual quote um, from the KBJ uh, announcement the other day. And then I'll, I'll kick it back over to Luke. So hold on. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> Dude, you cannot, you, you cannot make this stuff up. And then you've got Kamala sitting there with KBG like, what? Like, am I meeting Xi Jinping or what's the, uh, you know, what, what's the deal here? It's like, yeah, this is awkward as heck. So, you know, the, the, I think with the, the takeaway I took from the Biden Obama piece, 
is it goes back to what we were saying from the beginning. It's very clear that Biden's just not running the show. And at first I was hoping that there was a person behind the, the curtain. I, you know, I, we called it from the beginning, or, or at least I thought so from the beginning that it was going to be Kamala behind the curtain, right? She's the one pulling the strings and this and that. It's pretty clear that's not happening. So, you know, the, the, the next conclusion that, I, that I've reached is like, nobody's running the show. Everybody's just doing what they want. Uh, there's some like broad, overarching, loose, gray policy that we're just, you know, we're going to let a bunch of people in and let a bunch of illegals, you know, vote and this and that. But other than that, there is no guidance and nobody's in charge. And I think when you see that video clip, uh, that, that's very clear to me that nobody's in charge. You know, sh- Barry thinks he's still in charge and, and he might well be. He might well be. So anyway, I'll kick it back, uh, kick it back over to you, Luke. No, folks, your clocks are not malfunctioning. Roger and Josh just don't know that two minutes means 120 seconds. So there you go on that. And to answer Josh's question, what kind of dude slaps another dude? It's obviously been too long since Josh has been to Sears school. So we will continue. <laughs> so over halfway into the show, we'll start with uh, with with the, our main point of the show, which is the inaugural Culper's Canteen Cup. Are you a good American quiz show? So what we're going to do is kind of kick this around. I picked up some cards today from the America shop. One is uh, called, uh, if you're looking at the YouTube here, it's called, Can You Pass the Citizenship Test? And it's a, it's a whole box of, of uh, citizenship quiz questions. They don't ask uh, every single one of these on the citizenship test. They change them around, but some of them are easy and some of them are not so easy. The other one, guys, I was looking at this while y'all were droning on. I was trying to ignore what you were saying. It's the uh, U.S. Constitution quiz deck. I was looking through some of these. We might have to do another episode on that because these those are not easy now, at so all. So let, let, let's 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 provide some context. Luke doesn't want to go down that road because we'll stop at the Second Amendment and it'll never go there's any only, farther. There's only one question that even touches on the Second Amendment, and that's Amendment. all we these need are, is one question. On I, have, I, even, I have one. I have one. It's not even that good. I have one question. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna start this before we're gonna start this. <laughs> let's let's not do that. Let's 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 go with the plan, man. Josh, trying to derail the show. So I'm actually I'm actually it, curious to see what Josh's question was. Well, do, what's your question, Josh? No, no, no. We'll we'll shelve that for the Constitution one. Yeah, I have one question about the Second Amendment. No, go ahead. Let, let's go ahead and ask it. No, what's go ahead. Let's question? go. Let's go because this is going to derail everything. I we'll save it for the Constitution. And uh, yes, Josh, you can own a tank. You can own a tank. You can own an anti-aircraft missile. You can own a javelin. Whatever you want. That there's your answer. It wasn't <laughs> was that a question. It wasn't. Does that answer your question. question? No, but it's good. Go ahead. Okay. Well. All right. So just for that, Josh, I'm going to send. I'm going to kick it to Roger. No. Okay, so I was thinking I could ask the question, right? Uh, you can give your answer, Roger. Uh, Josh can agree or disagree with you, and then kick it back to me, and I'll tell you whether you're right or wrong. This first one's pretty easy, though. So, oh, other than a lot of fun. other good. than slavery, and you can give your you can give your uh, your thoughts on it uh, too. Um, so, other than slavery, name one problem that led to the Civil War. Representation in government. Okay. Right. Explain yourself. I'll expound on that. So basically you had the North and the South, and, and obviously your representation in government uh, is based off the population uh, of your individual states. 
And though, and I guess I cross the line here because it's indirectly related to slavery. A lot of that was, uh, you know, how the South wanted, they, they basically wanted both ways, right? So they wanted slaves to count uh, when it came to population for representation, but didn't want slaves to count. Um, right. The three-fifths compromise, you know, they didn't want slaves to count when it came for everything else and, you know, taxation and property and personal rights and this and that. Uh, whereas the North, you know, everybody thought was, you know, just purely anti-slavery. They're like, no, they don't need to count or yes, they do need to count. So both of them just kind of wanted it, you know, back and forth. So outside of, of slavery directly, uh, it was more about the representation uh, of the South uh, in the federal government, because at the time, you know, and even now, you can say that they didn't have the same population base. So obviously, as everybody knows how our government's run right now, you feel like, oh, my voice is uh, not necessarily being heard at the federal level. Josh, agree, disagree? Yeah, in general, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it had to do with the uh, tariffs on uh, imported goods. Well, he didn't say the main reason. He just said, name another reason. Right, right. There, there were the 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 citizenship quiz here. Uh, you're right, Roger. It, it lists three, and it doesn't say other than slavery. It, it says name one problem that led to the Civil War. There are three that are listed uh, that kind of are overarching. Number one, slavery. Number two, economic reasons, which Josh touched on the tariffs, things like that. Uh, the North was more uh, industrialized. The South was, you know, uh, basically uh, agriculture, and that tied into slavery as well. And Roger, you were hitting it. Uh, states' rights. And all, all three of those kind of kind of go together, you know. They kind of all three played on each other. So good job, guys! Y'all are good Americans so far. Am I am I now. American now? Can I vote now? You know they're, what? They're See, I get not, it. I not get quite it. yet. No, no, I get this. I get it. I, I'm just starting to figure out what's going on here now. So Luke is being very passive about this because you know I'm the minority that wasn't born in this country. So you know he's got to validate that I am you know qualified to be an American citizen and can go out there and vote. I get it. I got it. He figured out my gambit. I got Damn it. it. Well, go ahead and go anyway. Okay. So, Josh, to you, what what is one reason, not the reason, what is one reason colonists came to America? Freedom from religion. Anything else? I... Well, let's see what it possibilities, <laughs> possibilities, and that what Joe Biden are, told Xi Jinping in the foothills of the Himalayas. There are a ton of there are a ton of reasons. I was just wondering if you if there, if you could think of any others besides religious freedom. Yeah, I mean, it, you, yeah, I, absolutely, a new start, new opportunities. Um, you know, so you know, freedom from religious persecution. Uh, you know, chance at uh, you know, no less taxes. Um, and stuff. So, yeah. Roger, anything to add? No, I think it's uh, a lot of what Josh said. You know, you, you, you always read the, the history books and they talk about, you know, religious freedom. And this. I think there is a, and it's not necessarily an American characteristic, but you have a certain group of folks that, hey, man, I just want to be able to do my thing. I want my own personal freedoms, right? Whether it be religious or freedom of speech or live the way I want to or whatever. And you have those group of people and they finally said, F it. I'm getting on a boat and I'm going somewhere where I can do my own thing and live my own life. And so that, you know, obviously encompasses all of that. But I, I think that is the defining reason why a group of folks came over and said, man, I'm done with this stuff. I'm doing my thing. That's kind of why I moved out to Arizona, right? I want to get away from the D.C. thing and just come out here and do my thing. And now they're screwing me here and I'm about to move to like Wyoming or something. I don't know. He's going to be a – Roger's about to become another pilgrim. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So 
So the answers, this one kind of ties into the last one a little bit as far as how all these things play off each other. You know, the answers are uh, freedom, political liberty, religious freedom, economic opportunity, practice their religion and escape persecution. Now, this is why one of the reasons I just in awe of the founding fathers in, uh, in our Constitution, it really it's a real bugaboo of mine when people say religion has caused more wars in history than any other, you know, than any other cause. That's not entirely accurate. It's when religion is hand in hand with politics. It's when religion is taking over politics and vice versa. That's what causes wars. And, you know, big thing with our constitution was it separated those two. So people didn't have religious freedom, but that was all politics back then. You know, the reformation, like Josh said, I mean, so all of those kind of play off each other because religion back then was so intertwined with political power. So, so far, two questions down, and both of y'all are great Americans. Now, here we go. This is a good one. Josh, under our Constitution, some powers belong to the states. What is one power of the states? One power of the states. Voting laws. Okay. Anything else? No, you asked me for one power of the state, so there it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's one. Uh, Roger? Now, he took my answer. That was the big one, is voting laws. They're able to regulate, uh, even at a federal level, like when it comes down to you know choosing uh, successors to the Senate and this and that. I mean, uh, every, every state can pretty much have their own you know, own process. But uh, I'll say in a broader sense, it's everything that's not listed in the Constitution is reserved for the, you know, to the states. So everything that is not listed as part of the amendments, that's not listed in the seven articles, is reserved for the states. Yes, exactly. That would be and the I, I think, amendment if that comes up again. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you guys, you guys are right. I think Roger, Roger hit it on the head uh, with whatever's not in the Constitution uh, enumerated and all that. But uh, I think that these questions are the ones that like the multiple cho- or not multiple choice, but whatever. Um, I don't think it's limited to just these answers, but these are the answers that they have provide schooling and education, provide protection, police, provide safety, fire departments, give a driver's license, approve zoning and land use. So uh, and Josh had, had typed in there, uh, provide schooling, and which if you look at a lot of the a lot of the movements from the left and the Democrats, what are they doing? You know, they, they want to federalize voting. They want to federalize the education system. They want to federalize everything. And it's like, no, actually, it was very specific. And like Josh mentioned with you, the, the 10th Amendment, it's very specific that, no, those weren't meant to be federalized. Those were meant to be at the local level. Exactly. And before you ask your next question, Luke, real quick, the Department of Education is a great example. There, No one can name one academic metric that has gone up since the establishment of the Department of Education. Not one, not one academic measurement metric has improved. It's a good point, man. Department of Education, one of the most useless. I mean, I, that would be first on the chopping block for me, man. Get, get rid of that one. Then so, the ATF um, and FBI. We'll do two more questions here. Uh, first one, and this one was, uh, was interesting for me to read or to find out, but, uh, what is one promise? I'll go to Roger on this one. What is one promise you make when you become a U.S. citizen? This is an important one for Roger. You know, I was 
I don't remember reading this somewhere. I think I remember this as a, as a fifth or sixth grader going through civics class. And it's like, you have to be an informed citizen. I think that's actually, I'm trying to remember where that came from. But, uh, when, you know, you have to be an informed citizen. And you have to, well, I shouldn't say you have to, because, I mean, really, you don't have to do anything, man. You know, you don't really make any promises anymore. I mean, I, I, that was the big thing I remember growing up was, was being, uh, you know, you take your oath or whatever. But I'm just saying, my point is, it's the, you know, you want to say become involved. And I just remember growing up, it was always a, hey, you, you need to be involved. You need to be an informed citizen. And I think that actually is codified somewhere. I have to look that up. Josh? Wrong. Eh, you're fired in my best Trump voice. No, so you can't be a U.S. citizen anymore, Roger. The one thing that you promise when you take the oath to become an American citizen is to you pledge your allegiance to the country and you get rid you you don't have any you, you you promise not to have any other allegiance to any other country. So this is why What was the I, question you read? Read the question again. Maybe I misheard the question. Okay. The okay, question is, what is what Oh jeez. What is one promise you make when you become a US citizen? Okay, because he was saying when you take the oath, and I was looking at the overall, like, I'm a U.S. citizen. But if you want to oh, take I got you. specific oath. Yeah, I, I didn't hear the oath part. Or Yeah, well. It, so according to, according to cyber <laughs> civics, it's obeying the law, paying taxes. Oh, okay. okay, you're doing my job for me now. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I, no I'm just, I just pull, paying taxes. That's like, that's your duty as an American citizen, citizen is to pay taxes. Serving on the jury and registering with the Selective Service, but anyway. But it's not something you promise to do when you become an American citizen. Well, I was actually it's looking not, at the and it is here: staying informed. Citizens have the looked, responsibility he, to stay informed of the issues affecting their communities, as well as national and international issues, and to be active in the civic processes. Okay, Luke. Okay, maybe Luke we should. This. You knew this was going to happen because you have two five-year-olds here. Uh, with <laughs> well, so read the answer. Maybe we should. Maybe we should do the Constitution one. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we should contact the uh, U.S. Uh, Citizenship and Immigration Service and say that their test is all messed up. Because, yeah, I mean, it, this implies that you're talking about the oath, uh, I believe. Because this is a test that a prospective citizens have to take. So they have to read their oath before they do it. And I think that's what is the heart of this question is, hey, what's in the oath? And this is what's in the oath. Give up loyalty to other countries, defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States, obey the laws of the United States, serve in the U.S. military if needed, serve, do important work for the nation if needed, uh, be loyal to the United States. Now, this is one of the reasons I think all three of us would agree. What's the first people, one? Read the first one. What was the first answer? <laughs> Give up loyalty to other countries. Which is bullshit because you can have dual citizenship. Oh, my God. Right? But you I mean, still have to swear the oath. Why don't you look up the oath there? I, I'm, look, I'm saying, though, is that first answer is factually incorrect. Can you hold you, dual – can you have two citizens or so dual do citizenship? You, do you have dual citizenship, you, The U.S. Do you, do you have you allegiance this. with another country? I can't believe we're arguing about this. According to the United States, the United States, I don't think, recognizes dual citizenship. You can have it, but it doesn't recognize dual citizenship. It doesn't. I mean, you can fact check me on that, but – Last I checked, I mean, you can have it. You have, you have the right to have dual citizenship, but the U.S. does not recognize. Once you are a citizen, they don't recognize that you have dual citizenship. Anyway, Try and go get a TSSCI look. with dual citizenship. What does that have to do with being a citizen? You can be a citizen and not have a TSSCI. Don't be stupid, five-year-old. That's true. <laughs> Joking. Look, 
I think we all three could agree that anyone who takes the oath seriously, anybody who becomes a citizen takes that oath, they have taken it a step further than any American who was born in this country. Because anyone who is born in this country and is just a citizen automatically, they take no oath. So I respect someone who takes the oath and takes it seriously. So That's a prior fact. To and by the, uh, the birthright citizenship, 14th Amendment. So prior to 1967, dual citizenship was not permitted in the U.S. Under current U.S. law, American citizens can hold dual nationality with another country. So they're wrong. Next question. Okay, Luke. so what is it, why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you look up what the oath says? I'm just, talking about the first the answer. answer. No, I'm ta- my answer was correct. I'm talking about the first answer to, and it's not your fault. I'm saying, what was the first answer? Read that again. Read the first answer again. Give up loyalty to other countries. So you're saying it's the same. You're saying if you hold dual citizenship, you automatically have loyalty to another country. This is just semantics. This is a dumb lawyer argument. Look up the oath and see what it says. I don't have Next. to. Based on I that trust my answer, cards. I trust my cards I got in the America shop. I stand <laughs> by these cards. See, this is what we're <laughs> They sell Joe Biden bobbleheads in there. It has to be accurate. <laughs> oh, man. I need a Joe so, Biden bobblehead. So, so, uh, this, is what, this is the one I – this is the last question with the citizenship, and then we'll, we'll touch on these constitutional ones because, man, these are no joke. Okay, uh, and this is what I would encourage the audience to uh, – I hope the audience has been participating in this, just getting as worked up as we are. <laughs> but and, and, and ask yourself this. Can you name one of your your state's U.S. Senator, senators, one of your U.S. representatives – no, 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 not one of – your U.S. representative, the governor of your state, that's an easy one, and the capital of your state? I would say a lot of people couldn't name their U.S. representative. What about you, Josh? Do you know all all four of those? You don't have to name them, but do you know them? Um, yeah. So our governor is Roy Cooper. Raleigh is the uh, the capital. If you want to learn, dude, the easiest way to learn capitals for kids, there's a YouTube song um, that runs through all the states and all the capitals. It's pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. Um, as far as my representative from my district, uh, his name, the name escapes me right now. I bet Roger knows his, uh, you know what? The only reason I know mine is cause he's on Fox news all the time. Andy Biggs, he's all over Fox. And, and when I saw he was from Arizona, I was like, Hey, let me look at this guy. And it's like, boom. So, you know, and obviously we have cinema and we have Mark Kelly and Ducey and Carrie Lake will probably end up being our next governor or whatever. But the representative thing is hard, man, because one, that shit changes all the time. Your districts change. You got gerrymandering and, and all that other stuff. And it's, uh, which it, it's funny because I, even with like, you know, I've been saying this with Mark Kelly, man, I don't see a whole lot that are, and, and I know there's a lot that goes on the beyond the, behind the scenes, but I try to stay informed with this stuff. But I just don't see a whole lot that, like, even Andy Biggs, who's a Republican, uh, I don't see a whole lot of what they do for us on, on this local level here or even at the federal level. Um, we just, you know, we don't see him out here. You know, I, I definitely don't uh, see, like, the meet and greets and the call. And, again, I know he's up at the legislature doing whatever, but I don't necessarily see the direct impact, you know, from our our, our representatives, at least out here where I'm at. Okay, so you're both – Good Americans. Congratulations. Now we'll move uh, on to... According to Josh, I, I should be deported. That's all right. Whatever. 
Do you know the Constitution? Okay, so we'll ask we'll ask just two of these, and we'll end on the quasi Second Amendment one. But this is this is a good one. I, I liked this question, and I, I, I'll tell you, I did not know the answer right off right off the top. Maybe you guys do. And uh, this time, I guess we'll go to Roger first, and then Josh. Uh, so, question: When a high school requires its students to perform mandatory community service. Doesn't that violate the 13th Amendment's prohibition against involuntary servitude? I I can repeat it if you want. Yeah, repeat it for me. Okay, one more time. When a high school requires its students to perform mandatory community service, doesn't that violate the 13th Amendment's prohibition against involuntary servitude? No. And mainly because it's actually authorizing the 13th Amendment as punishment. Just saying. Okay. Josh? I don't think it does. Um, there was a, there was a case in the 80s. I want to say it was in California where this, uh, this came up. And they came back. I don't know if it made it all the way to the Supreme Court or not. It may have, um, but it, it they came back and said no, that it does not violate the the Thirteenth Amendment and the involuntary servitude clause. Well done, well done. Here's the answer: No, the Supreme Court considered <laughs> this matter in Steyer versus Bethlehem Area School District in 1993 and concluded that a high school community service requirement does not constitute involuntary servitude. A growing number of school districts thereafter added community service to their graduation requirements. I think community service is the uh, operative term there. Uh, and what is community service? Because if a high school uh, said, hey, you've got to uh, scoop the poop off of the principal's lawn, and uh, that's, that's, that's going to be your community service. I think it would be important to define community service in that, in that case. Would well, you, let me would ask you guys you this. agree with that? Why, why is the issue involuntary servitude or slavery? So the 13th Amendment, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall, be, shall have been duly convicted, which you can make that argument, you know, legal system, whatever, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That tells me that a it's crime. You're, you're it, talking about it like, it's not a crime to, well, that's implying a crime. I mean, this is like a community service requirement to graduate. So, uh, without just making that as part of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm looking at it as a, uh, as a punishment piece. No, dude, you got to take, I mean, you got to take Spanish one and Spanish two to graduate. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but going to, going to high school is, is a form of punishment. At least it was for me. Good God. Pretty bad. I had a good, I had, I thought, dude, I had fun at high school. Had a good time. I thought that was a good question, though. Uh, it's interesting, and, and no, it this is. whole deck, this whole deck is stacked with stuff like this. So here, here we go. This was going to Josh. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, and you may not know this. I, I didn't. I didn't know the exact reason. So uh, just maybe you could address it. Why did the Supreme Court strike down a federal law creating gun-free school zones? I'll repeat. Why did the Supreme Court strike down a federal law creating gun-free school zones? Any idea at all? Man, that's a uh, that's a good one, and I don't know. Um, wait, this is so good. you're gonna like yeah, it. You're gonna like it. Yeah, no, it's um. So I I remember the case. It was. 
early nineties. Really? It was early nineties, mid nineties, mid nineties, mid nineties, mid nineties. Okay, and it was. I'm going to be. Ra- I, I'm going to sound racist here. It was L- Lopez. I believe. Um, How do you know that, that, dude? This guy, Josh, is the good constitutional honey, man. Good man, dude. Good <laughs> job, Josh. It came back. Damn. I forget. I forget the nuances of it, but it had something. It was crazy. It, because it had something to do, they they weaved the commerce clause into it somehow, and I don't remember how they did it, but it was like what? It was like this, you guys, this, okay, that? Uh, stop, stop, stop! I'm calling bullshit, Josh. You must you must have seen me waving it around earlier, <laughs> and you looked it up. There is no way you know this, dude. How, uh, Josh? You sit there reading like like old you know law journals and stuff. How yes. do you know this stuff? So I, dude, so we're talking. Okay. So we're talking about the Second Amendment. I'm I'm a little passionate about the Second Amendment, and you know I I really I dude I honestly I didn't learn that until the Supreme Court uh, you know the Heller case. And when the Heller case was before the Supreme Court, man, I dug into the Second Amendment cases, you know, going back for a ways. And so, you, you and folks will be a little surprised at it, but go back to the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Panthers, um, and what the Black Panthers did for gun rights in the in the united states people would be surprised um so what's the answer roger anything to add or you want me to go ahead no i i did not uh i would not have tied it to the commerce clause and i was doing some quick you know gurgling as he was talking and yeah he's spot on man like i I would not have made those connections at all it was some Uh, gymnastics how they did it but i can't remember exactly how they did it well they were basically talking about how with the creation of the weapon that there is no way to say that basically it's it's all traveled interstate commerce so you can't just like basically restrict it to oh this point in time at this one location when it's already happened, right? It, it's already happened since the weapon was created, yada, yada, yada. And it, uh, just quick gurgling, it was like the first time in 100 years they said they actually enforce any type of legislation based on the Commerce Clause, you know, which is fucking nuts. That's crazy. That's so crazy. I'll read the question one more time. Why did the Supreme Court strike down a federal law creating gun-free school zones? And the answer is, it's freaking Josh, man. The Supreme Court ruled in United States versus Lopez, 1995, that Congress could not use the Commerce Clause, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3, to enact laws prohibiting guns in school zones. By a 5-4 vote, 5-4, the justices concluded that decisions about school safety must be left to the general police power of each state government. The act in question was later amended, and several related cases have since uh, reached federal circuit court. So, Man, Josh, uh, the, the test is not are are you a great constitutional scholar? It's are you a great American? Because man, you were spot on <laughs> on that one. I'll get you the next one wrong. Three. Well, do you want another one? Dude, we got plenty of time. Read, read a couple of them. Read a couple. Of, yeah. Because you know, okay. what's interesting is it you know because we've all read you know through the Constitution this and that, but to actually go back and you start reading like specific amendments again and you start looking at the verbiage and the wording, I mean. Well, there are, you, there are you a guys, lot of, you, lot of rights out there. That, that and give us some, vin, you know, the vignettes. Really, you know, I mean, anybody can read through the Constitution, and you can memorize Article One, Article Two, and stuff. You know what's in there. But I like the Constitution one because that's really like, okay, why is this a law? How did it become this way? Or you know, what happened in this, you know, or in this case, mm. and stuff like that's the good stuff because that's what you got to be able to reference if you're ever questioned on it, you know, in person, social, whatever, like that. You can throw that out there, man. And that's what really grabs people's attention. They're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to mess with this person because they know their shit. 
Here's a good these one. Are, these are good. Uh, I got I got a couple good ones, decent ones here. So Roger is, and you guys could be asking me this, and because I, I, I get the I get the uh, I get to I get I get the opportunity to kind of read these because I see it and I'm like, well, what would I say there? So there's no there's no shame in like not saying it exactly what the answer is because I definitely couldn't do it. So question. Is there a constitutional right to privacy? Yes. Okay. Right. I think you're talking about the Fourth Amendment falls within there to, to an extent. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head with uh, Supreme Court rulings, but there, you know, especially in, in our line of work, and again, it's not one to one applicable, but there is an expectation of privacy. And when you have to get search warrants and this and that, that's usually what it comes down to is like, is there a citizen's right to the expectation of privacy? And if there is, then generally speaking, you have to get a warrant, which obviously falls under, was it the uh, fourth? Uh, amendment. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you're out in public place, that's why they can watch you and take pictures or, or whatever. So, yes, I, I agree. Roger gave a good answer, but there's also a couple of other examples. And so there's another example in the First Amendment of privacy, a right to privacy. And then again, and you spoke on the, the third and the fourth, the First Amendment, your, uh, you know, freedom of religion, right? And you have the choice to keep that private. Uh you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to advertise that. And then of course, you know the Third Amendment. You know, you have a right of right of privacy within your uh, within your home. And then your fourth, the Fourth Amendment, you have a right to privacy of your person against unreasonable search and seizures. And that's well, why that's, the stop and frisk law in New York with Giuliani was so controversial. And just just so the audience knows, I did not share any of these uh, before the show with with Josh or Rogers, so they are really this smart. So the question was, is there a constitutional right to privacy? And the mealy mouth lawyer response, you have to listen to the whole thing. The Constitution does not specifically mention privacy, but the Ninth Amendment states that the rights of the people are not limited to those specifically enumerated in the Constitution. In Griswold versus Connecticut, 1965, the Supreme Court found that various aspects of privacy are a common theme found in the First, Third, and Fourth Amendments. So good job, guys. I think you pretty much covered that. But yeah, it's a good one, right? Yeah. Good answer. So Josh, to you, does the Constitution permit the death penalty? I don't know. I'm going to say no. The Constitution does not. Um, but the states, well, no. I guess let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, maybe this will help you. Is the death penalty cruel and unusual punishment? I guess it hinges on that, right? Is it cruel and unusual punishment? I mean, that's really ambiguous. Cruel and unusual. I mean, that's very ambiguous. You know, what's cruel? Those words are in the Constitution. Yes, but they're ambiguous. Um, so... <laughs> Does the Constitution allow the death penalty? Yeah, because I mean, they do. I mean, you, you go back and and look the the penalty for treason was what, right? It was death. Um, so yes, yes, it does. Roger, I guess. The, and again, this would go back to probably your answer. Does it allow it versus does it prohibit it? I don't think it prohibit it prohibits it. But then, like Josh has mentioned with treason. Uh, because it's left up to the states, right? I mean, the states decide whether they have it. I think Arizona, we just uh, 
you know, um, sentence are, or actually carried out the execution. I don't know whether he did it by gas or, or whatever. I think the first person in, in 80 years or whatever. So I'm not, I'd have to look at the language. I don't know that it's actually, they say, yeah, you can, as opposed to no, they just, they don't prohibit it. And therefore under the 10th amendment, it falls under the States. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's, you'd have to go back and, but I mean, the government, the military right. can do it, right, Josh? I mean, the military has a death penalty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they hung people at Fort Leavenworth, uh, you know, uh, all the time, but you got to go back and look, right. Because you can't deprive somebody. It's, I forget which amendments, the fifth or 14th. Um, you can't deprive somebody of life, liberty, um, you know, without undue process. Uh, and so you have, you know, you are with, with, without due process. So you've got due, you know, if you have, due process, which is obviously mandated under the constitution. Um, you know, can you do it? Well, I, I, I yeah, man, I don't have to really dig in to get the wording right, but I, I, I'm going to say yes. Final answer. Well, yeah. Okay. It, Cause the, the original question is, does the constitution permit the death penalty? And the answer is the, the, what, what they wrote is, uh, and it makes, makes sense. Uh, yes, although the subject is open to debate. The Eighth Amendment prohibits cruel and unusual punishment, which includes penalties that are too harsh for the crime. Eighth Amendment challenges to the death penalty have focused on whether certain criminal offenders, such as juveniles or mentally impaired individuals, should be subject to a sentence of death, as well as other death sentences uh, that have been decided uh, fairly or have been tainted, tainted by racial bias. So, yeah, I mean, it, I mean it, it definitely permits it, but... The operative thing is, you know, well, is it cruel, cruel and unusual punishment? And those are, I think, honestly, we could probably do a whole uh, episode on the death death penalty uh, because it is a, it is a kind of a fascinating subject. Uh, so this one's kind of a process question. So whoever thinks they have the answer, which can can answer first. So how can a federal judge declare a state law unconstitutional? Jeopardy music playing. Jeopardy music playing. <laughs> How can a federal judge declare a state law unconstitutional because it violates one of the amendments or one of the articles of, of the Constitution? Okay. Yeah, basically. Right? Like uh, under the 14th well, Amendment, under the 9th Amendment, under the 5th, under, I mean, you're seeing it every day with like the abortion stuff, the death penalty. You're seeing, so I mean, you can challenge against anyone, and, and that's kind of not as specific, but that is what progressives are using uh, the 14th and the 9th Amendment. Uh, overarching to basically any red state, any Republican state uh, with these abortion laws, uh, voting rights and this and that, that's basically what they're the basis of their challenge is that it violates the 14th amendment, violates the ninth amendment, what have you. Right. It's, it's article six uh, states that the constitution is a Supreme law. If a state law conflicts with a federal law, federal law must, must prevail. It's, you know, referred to as the supremacy, the supremacy clause. Right? clause yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. With, I agree with Roger, and then obviously what you just read. Yeah, on the uh, federal law wins if they're in direct conflict. And the so Ninth Amendment. I mean, you brought this up, Luke, but it's pretty interesting because again, it's one of those that you know you've all we've all read it, but then you go back and you actually look at it. You know, with with the vignettes or whatever. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And it, and it kind of comes up, especially with the Supreme Court hearing, and you start talking about enumerated rights versus those that aren't necessarily specifically mentioned, and how far does that carry? Uh, and, 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 you know, some of those on the left mean, you know, they, they take that, that 
hey, basically the Supreme Court can legislate from the bench because you just declare it an, an, un, an enumerated right. Um, and so basically you can make anything fall under the protections of the Constitution, regardless of what it is, in a federal power versus state. <laughs> it's a good, good point. But I found a really good question here. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up. I'm gonna tee, tee this question up. This will this is a good one. Okay, who's uh, real quick, Roger? Who's your least favorite member of Congress? Pelosi, and then on the Senate side would it be Schumer. Okay, so Chuck Schumer. I think it's safe to say uh, Josh is gonna work this Second Amendment thing in here eventually. <laughs> Okay, so Josh, would you agree that Chuck Schumer is disliked within the cup, universally disliked within the cup? hundred percent. Okay, so let's say that Chuck Schumer is on the floor of the Senate uh, in a debate about a bill or, or whatever that they're going to try to pass, and he gets up there and he says, I've listened to Culper's Canteen Cup. Josh, Roger, and Luke are horrible human beings. In fact... They actually robbed a bank last week, dressed as ex-presidents. I heard that they surf, but they don't. They probably don't surf because they're all three unathletic uh, pieces of garbage. They served in the military, all three of them, and I happen to know that they all three got multiple Article 15s. Uh, they were horrible. Uh, Roger was kicked out at the rank of E7. Uh, Josh failed Warren Officer School. And uh, Luke was just a horrible soldier all around. Now, that that last part is the only true part of that statement. So if he got up there and said that, if he got up there and said that, would it be possible to sue for us to sue Chuck Schumer for libel or slander? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know because he's using his official position um, in the, uh, you know, within, within the government to do that. Uh I don't know. I'd have to, man. I'd have to. I'd have to dig into that one. Um, I, you know, because I remember. Obviously, you know, it's like when you're on active duty, like you couldn't sue the federal government yourself um, for really anything. And uh, but you know, as as civilians, uh, man, I don't know. That's a good one, Roger. I'd say you can, based on that vignette, uh, where there are very specific errors, omissions, and just, you know, inaccurate information. Uh, but, you know, the, at the same time, I mean, Congress does it all the time. So I do think there are, and I don't know off the top of my head, I, there are some rules uh, where, you know, basically whatever they say on the floor during the speech, whatever, I mean, they can get away with murder, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, just short of it. But I would think as a private citizen... Uh, if I could show some damages and, you know, some some harm that came to me uh, over inaccurate statements, yeah, absolutely, I could sue. I would have I given the same answer you just gave, and I'm sure the the example I came up with, a little vignette, is, is pretty extreme, so who, so who knows. But this is I – so I would have given the same answer as you, Roger, um, but this is the official answer. Um, is it, the question is, is it possible to sue a member of Congress for libel or slander? And the answer is – not for anything said in debate in the Senate or House. That's why I said he said right. during a debate. The speech and debate clause of, of Article 1, Section 6 protects anything they might say uh, to uphold the right of Congress to engage freely in debate. However, the Supreme Court ruled in Hutchison versus Proxmire in 1979 
that the clause protects members only in actions that are essential to the legislative process. So it would depend on how he said and what the context is of why he said it, uh, not what they publish in their newsletters and in other forums. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. And no wonder these debates get so ridiculous because they're just like, well, as long as I can tie it to whatever legislative process we're talking about, I can say anything I want about anybody. So I I think, man, that's that's very interesting. So Josh is going to put me on the spot now. Josh does not have a card in front of him. So, Josh, what's your question for me and Roger? All right. So uh, let me let me let me frame this first. I don't have an answer for this. This is a philosophical question, um, you know, and uh, you know, I'm oh, sure shit. it'll. I'm sure it'll dovetail into, uh, you know, into a Donnybrook, uh, fairly quick, uh, <laughs> cause, and you know, we only have, we, you know, we're getting, uh, we're getting short on time. Yeah. Luke is going to absolutely destroy his, uh, his, his Trump damn it doll on, uh, on this one. So Luke, for you, what did the founders mean by a well-regulated militia? as it pertains to the second amendment <laughs> and, and go Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse. I, hey man, I hey mean, I'm not, I'm not even joking. I mean, uh, you know, we, we all three had a, had a really cool, uh, text discussion, uh, a few months ago. Uh, I think it was during the Rittenhouse trials right near the end. And this is always a great topic of discussion between the three of us is like, what's a real well-regulated militia, you know, uh, Josh is always uh, shall not be infringed. Uh, you know, and we have these great discussions. What we we were arguing with each other through text, and that's never a good idea. So we started doing little voice recordings <laughs> and sending them to each other. And uh, it's a shame that those are automatically you know deleted from the from the record there because I think they're just stored in RAM, uh, and there's a specific time on on your iPhone at least. Uh, and we we determined that boy, this is a this is a really good question that. I think all three of us tacitly agreed that what Kyle Rittenhouse was doing that particular day, he was well-armed, number one. Uh, We said he took an effort to train himself on how to use the weapon, uh, how to uh, uh, help his his fellow man with first aid, How and he was there to maintain order in a lawless-type environment. So we agreed he was a one-man militia that night. I think we kind of agreed on that. At least that's my recollection of it. So you take the Kyle Rittenhouse as an example of what a well-regulated militia could be or is maintaining order in a, in a, in a, in a local type setting where there's, uh, you know, the police and, uh, you know, any, anything provided by the state or federal has just hands off. We're not going to do anything. It's up to the locals, uh, to defend themselves and, uh, have a, have a, have a free state of being, uh, for instance. So I believe that's kind of what, not kind of, I believe that's what the founding fathers meant by well-regulated militia, uh, to answer your question is, you know, any sort of effort to arm, train and regulate even at the, uh, single person level, uh, to secure a free state in the absence of any sort of, uh, well, in the face of tyranny. And in that case, it was the tyranny of the mob. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of my answer, man. We could, 
You, you asked that great question toward the end of an episode, and I would love to delve into this deeper because that Kyle Rittenhouse is a real easy answer uh, for for me anyway. Uh, but it's it's a bit more complicated than that. So, Roger, I mean, what what do you think um, about Josh's question? No, I think you're spot on. I think you hit on the head. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and for those, you know, the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. And so when you look at the definition of a well-regulated militia, and then you got to look at the context of the times, right? Why it was written, uh, obviously, to keep the sovereignty of the states uh, against a tyrannical government. Uh, you don't necessarily have the population back then that you do now. Uh, nor the resources. So you looked at private citizens having to own their own weapons because that's that's how they defended themselves. That's how they defended, you know, the, the sovereignty of their state or their community or what have you. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't think I, I would disagree with anything that you said there. It's, you look at, I mean, people can sit there and argue uh, what is well-regulated mean. Well, that's the, that's the point, right? It's all subjective, um, well-regulated. And then you can argue the point of, of size, you know, is a one person uh, carrying an AR-15, you know, is that considered a militia? Uh, but, you know, I think you gave a, a great example, Kyle Rittenhouse, that the guy was trained, permitted, has his weapon, he's gone, you know, the extra steps. And so in my mind, yeah, okay, it might be a one person, which it wasn't one person, you know, even in his case, it was several, right? The store owner had several folks come down there. Um, but if you just looked at him uh, as an individual, yeah, I'd say, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and when you look at the times and the context of that, that's what it was. It was a lot of individuals. And then those individuals were brought together in a community or in a neighborhood or a town or whatever to bring their own weapons uh, to ensure the sovereignty of, of their of their community and of their state against a tyrannical government. Yeah. No, I think both answers are spot on. And that, you know, rooftop Koreans back in, uh, you know, in L.A. during the uh, yep. during the Rodney King riots. You know, everybody showed up and, uh, you know, had some had some kit with them. Yeah, no, and you know, it is toward the end of the episode. We're not going to be able to really do a do a deep dive into this. Um, so, but you know, with Luke's answer, you know, a one person, one person showed up and had the armament that was necessary to meet the level of force, you know, the threat that was present. So, you know, that's for that's for more discussion on. Okay. So we agree that one person can be considered a militia, a well-regulated militia. All right. So what should they be able to own and have to meet the level of threat, whether that threat is from a mob, whether that threat is from a state, you know, a state controlled military entity or the federal military? Uh, you know, what, what, you know, what should citizens well, look know, at Ukraine, be allowed right? to own and what I mean, should not citizens be allowed to own? Yeah, no, look at Ukraine. I mean, we're why, sending, why are we having to send over stuff, right? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I mean, the founders, you know, like you said, when they wrote this, I mean, there were, you know, there were privateers. Privateers had cannon. They had their own cannon, right? They were issued letters of mark, uh, you know, and told to, you know, let's, you know, go go do great things for, for God and country. So... Definitely a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to go on the, on the second amendment piece, but I really wanted to throw that out there because we've talked about it, you know, in, in, in text messages and, you know, they've gotten animated and stuff, but now we're out there, we're on the record. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think that the Kenosha stuff was, uh, I think it clarified a lot of stuff in, in my mind. Cause it, you know, we go back and forth and we'd always go to the extremes on militia, you know, well, 
there's always, always extremes. It's like, well, the federal government all of a sudden decides, you know, we're going to crush the people, you know, or any dissent. And it's like, okay, what do you need for that? And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's uh, Red Dawn, except with Chinese, you know, uh, that, you know, what's a militia, you know, how re- well regulated. And then, you know, K- Kenosha kind of focused everything down on, hey, that was a state of tyranny. Like we said, tyranny from the mob. Now, what are we talking about with militia? And it kind of clarified, and I think really boiled down all three of our arguments. It's like, okay, now we can start here, like Josh just said, we can start here at the baseline. And all three agree that, you know, what, what, what we've just been talking about. I guess I'm just talking talking nonsense, talking trash. But Roger um, and Josh, I, I threw you all a lot of questions today. Roger, I didn't mean to uh, question your your citizenship or loyalty to the United Whatever. States. Whatever. <laughs> But man, I, I really, especially with those constitution questions, man, I mean, y'all were on point with that and did a lot better than I would have if I was put on the spot. So kudos to you guys. Um, throw it to, uh, to Roger to close out. I'm just giving a shout, one more shout out to Carlton Zeus. Uh, y'all uh, throw a prayer my way for walking by uh, the, the more violent and extreme uh, homeless people that are now coming out of the woodwork in D.C. Because, man, dude, it is bad. And actually, I'll throw it to Josh uh, for one more shout out, and then Roger can close us out. Hey, yeah, thanks, Lou. Real quick, want to give a shout out to uh, to my mother in law. Um, just want to let you know that uh, that we love you, and uh, you're never, never never far from our thoughts. Yeah, and that goes the same for you know, for obviously my you know Luke and and myself. Uh, a couple little notes that you know we didn't get a chance to touch on. Cause, man, I've I've had like all week I've been building up because Luke's been gone. I've been like typing this stuff out, you know, right now you see the left, you know, they're attacking, uh, big oil companies, right. Attacking, uh, Exxon Mobil, Chevron, BP, ConocoPhillips, uh, talking about the massive, you know, uh, you know, amount of revenue they have and profits and this and that. And we've talked about this a little bit, but what I would say is this, um, corporate profits are up big now, right. Uh, they were down 50% a year ago. Uh, so when you look year over year, what the profits that they're bringing in right now uh, versus what they lost uh, a year ago, it's almost a one for one swap. So, you know, now all of a sudden everybody's, uh, you know, going after the gas stations and, uh, you know, big corporate America. And I think what you're starting to see, and we'll get into this, especially as we get closer to election season, uh, you're starting to see, and not starting, it's been going on, you know, the left trying to deflect uh, the blame because at the end of the day, it comes down to you have a democratically controlled Congress, you have a democratically controlled White House, and they are blind to see that, um, you know, it's their own policies that are that have taken us to where we're at now. Uh, and, and it's kind of shocking to me because when you look at the war in Ukraine, uh, when you look at gas prices, when you look at inflation, which why, you know, Josh and I go back and forth on inflation, you know, poking each other a lot, but inflation has been no big secret and the fed wants to get involved now like what took you so long like everybody saw this coming like what took you so long and it just goes back to the whole uh you know the whole narrative of this presidency it's just everything is reactive and everything is late um you know you can go back as early as or as recent as, as ukraine and the sanctions and this and that but Everything they do is reactive and late. And I think Obama's uh, old uh, economic advisor actually talked about, hey, we're looking at stagflation. You know, I mean, I always pick with Josh a little bit because I, I try to use these little technicalities with him, you know, uh, going into a recession. It's coming. 
you know, again, I pick on them and give them shit, but it's coming. The recession is coming. Uh, you're starting to see a little bit in the housing market, right? You're starting to see that creep a little bit. Uh, interest rates are up. Inflation's obviously where it's at and, and, and climbing through the roof. Gas and fuels where it's at. I got a buddy who uh, works in the agricultural market. He's a distributor, I believe, on that side of the house. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, I was like, come on, dude. Like, where are we really at with this? And he's like, you have no idea how bad this is. He goes, you have no idea how bad it is because everybody, they're not looking at all of the inputs that are going up. And so we look at one isolated piece, you know, we were talking about potash, uh, fertilizer and, uh, fuel and this and that. And he's like, Hey man, everybody looks at one or two pieces. He goes, when you look at the agriculture industry and it's not just them, it's, it's going to be any of them, any major industry, there are several inputs that, that go into it. So when you talk about inflation across the board going up, Hey, when the price of fuel has doubled or tripled affects your farms, right? When the cost of labor has gone up, affects your employees, affects your labor market, affects your farms, right? So it, it's everything. When you look at uh, federal regulations, they have to meet. I mean, all those inputs. So, you know, strap yourself in. I, I can't wait. I think in, here in the near future, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the you know economy and maybe uh, lay some lines in the sand there, or draw some lines in the sand there over when we actually are, are going to hit a, a recession or what have you. But more to follow on that. Um, hey, thanks to all of our listeners out there, uh, especially, you know, those viewers on YouTube, those on, uh, on, on, you know, whatever podcast platform that they're listening to us on. Definitely head over to our website, www.culperscanteencup.com. We do try to put some blogs out there, some of that stuff we reference on here. And I think some of them are, are pretty well thought out, especially, you know, Luke does his quick takes every now and then. Uh, pretty good. And I tell you, when you see a lot of that stuff, it's almost like, man, these guys have a crystal ball, but I believe our listeners out there, they all see it, right? They, they see it. They know what's going on. They know what's happening. And, and, you know, I, I'm starting to become a, a, a fan of, uh, you know, one of Luke's favorite terms with gaslighting, because that is exactly what you're seeing going on right now. Hey, don't believe what you're seeing. Don't believe what you're experiencing. Hey, it just cost me $150 to fill up my truck yesterday. And I still had three gallons to go. The gas pump shut off. So it's like, you know, yeah, you know, Josh is talking right now that the sky is green. You know, hey, don't believe everything that you're experiencing and seeing. I'm going to tell you what's going on. And that's what you need to believe. So, you know, that is the epitome of, of gaslighting. But thanks again to all of our listeners out there. Big shout out to Carlton Zeus again. And uh, hey, canteeners, stay healthy and keep your canteen cups tightly secured.